Welcome to the House of Life NYC. You'll meet regular folks sharing their how-tos for life and get my tips for resourceful living. Hi, I'm Lee. Thank you for stopping by. Today, guest Alex Varney is going to share his tips on succeeding at work by being thoughtful. I invited Alex specifically for this topic because I noticed that when collaborating with him to give lectures and webinars for an alumni association that we belong to, and I'll get to that in a moment, he was extremely thoughtful, which paved our way to a successful outcome each time we worked together. We also talked about the idea of thoughtfulness during our planning sessions for those projects. And so we're lucky to get him on the show today. So about that alumni association, you know, I've talked about it several times in earlier episodes. Alex and I both did the Japan Exchange Teaching Program, also known as JET. It's the one where folks go right after college for up to three years to work in the Japanese education system and in Japanese municipalities. You know, that's if your Japanese is really good like Alex's. <laughs> Mine is not. <laughs> Alex is the former vice president of the New York City chapter of the JET Alumni Association, also known as JETANI. <laughs> I mention this because we'll refer to the whole Japan and JET thing throughout our conversation. And if you have an upcoming college grad in your circle, or if you are an upcoming college grad, or even maybe outside of graduation, uh, meaning you've already graduated and you are mid-career or something, the JET program is an amazing opportunity, and I'll include the information for it in the show notes. Oh, and getting back to the topic of thoughtfulness, I ran into Alex's mom at a JET event after our conversation, so I asked her if she would answer some questions about Alex's thoughtfulness. I mean, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, don't you think? <laughs> So you'll want to stick around to meet Alex's mom, as well as Alex's hot spot in Queens for what he says is a good pulled pork brunch. Doesn't that sound delicious? And my usual favor from you, please share the show with at least two of your friends and hey, help them subscribe while you're at it. <laughs> Finally, please visit houseoflifenyc.com and leave a message with your comments and questions. I'd love to hear from you. Now, here's my earnest conversation with Alex Varney and his tips on how to be thoughtful at work. Alex, welcome. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me. All right. So I just put you on the spot telling everybody that you're really thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump in. Tell us why thoughtfulness is so important and what that actually looks like. To me, the first step of thoughtfulness is just to whatever it is, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're trying to communicate is to, to actually just kind of just think about it for a little bit and, and think about why am I thinking this? What are the reasons? Is it based on something? Are emotions impacting this? Am I sort of am I very close to this problem? Is that why? Is that why I'm feeling a certain way? I think we all notice that people in our lives will will talk and sort of seem to be just rambling on without really having a reason or a purpose. And so I like to I like to say what I mean in the sense that I think through things before I speak. So So can you give us an example? 
Okay, so uh, a perfect example, I, I was handling this at work today where basically I work in client services, I work at a marketing and PR firm, so a lot of what I'm doing is is helping clients take some sort of message and make it relevant for a target audience, be that on social media or you know print, digital, whatever. Um, but oftentimes what happens is that we find that there's a, there's a divide between what the client thinks they're getting in a situation and, and what we're giving them. And those are awkward situations sometimes, especially when project fees have been paid and things are you know on a deadline. And so I think the first thing is just to kind of assess, realistically assess the situation and think about the different parties involved and why they are coming to that situation the way they do. So for example, if, uh, if I'm a client and I've paid for some piece of work and when I see a first draft, I'm frustrated, instead of hearing that and getting offended or defensive, think, wait a second, why are they acting this way? And then sort of stepping back and, you know, you may get an angry email, you may get an angry phone call, but instead of immediately reacting in that moment and saying, oh, we did really good work for you and what's the problem, just kind of stepping back and saying, well, wait a second, why is this person acting this way? And I think that's always a really good good starting point is to to realize that everybody comes to situations with their own chain of reasoning and thoughts and that you need to kind of try to get in their head a little bit to understand why they've arrived at the at the you know the point that they're at. So that sounds to me a little like thinking and stopping yourself from becoming defensive or letting ego take over. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, How do we do that though? In the moment. Like what are your zen practices or something? How how do we help people to not be defensive or use their ego or let their ego kick in and actually come from a place of, okay, how do we turn this around? You need to rethink the situation and instead of thinking about it in an antagonistic setting, just sort of realize that ultimately you and in the client in my example are on the same team and you want the same thing. And so instead of taking the criticism as personal to you, realize that what they're criticizing is maybe the draft that you sent them. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I sort of would reframe negative criticism as great. Thanks for the feedback. This was really helpful. And uh, I think now we have a better idea of what you want. And so right there, instead of getting defensive or being like, well, we did what you said and why didn't you explain it better? Just very casually being like, you know, hey, that's thanks so much for the feedback. You know, this is really going to help us. And maybe we could discuss this further. You know, we went in this direction. And for these reasons, maybe maybe you want us to go more in this direction. So sometimes conflict is necessary, but I feel like in most situations, ego and defensiveness lead immediately to conflict when they don't have to. And simple sort of stepping back and not immediately reacting. I mean, people say like, if you're angry, write a letter, but never send it. Right, right. It's, have you done that? No, I haven't. <laughs> I've done that. And it I have sent works. a couple angry letters that I probably shouldn't have, but that was before I had these wonderful epiphanies that I'm having now. <laughs> I've done that. And now I've taken to Twitter to do it. Yeah, that's why I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> All right, so... What are some things that you see in today's workplace that you stop and go, hmm, wow, if that person just made this one little tweak, right? what, what are some practical tips or advice you can give? 
Yeah, we were just talking about not letting your ego get bruised. I think that's a really big one. I think uh, I read this somewhere and it was so true that if everybody spends all their time thinking about themselves, then imagine that everybody else is doing that too. So the person that sits across from you that you think is just judging you all day long, they're probably not even thinking about you at all. And they're probably just thinking about their own stuff and worrying about that. So it's not so much a tip, but I think just realizing that, one, don't take things personally. If maybe you get bad feedback or you get a bad review, own it. And I think taking ownership of stuff, is a, it seems counterintuitive, but it's a great way to get people to respect you more. Can you give an example of this? You know, I'll give a client example. If, if you give a client some some work and they're disappointed, if you fight them on that, what what is that going to do? It's going to make them change their mind? It's going to make them say, oh, you're right. You convinced me otherwise. <laughs> and if you were a client and you were paying somebody to do work for you and they did something that you weren't expecting and you gave them feedback, negative, harsh, whatever, and then they fought you on it, would it make them, would it make you like them more? No. But if if somebody has done something wrong and you give them feedback and they say, hey, you know what? That was my mistake. I didn't understand. You know, I thought we wanted to go in this direction, but they're going to like you for that. They're going to say, oh, cool. Like they're not making excuses. Don't make excuses. Right. So we're telling the listener not to make excuses. I get that. What can we share to help the person who always make excuses to start to not make excuses? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it depends on what they're making excuses about. And I think if they're making excuses because they personally feel that like their intelligence is being questioned or their authority is being questioned, the person who's confident in their authority doesn't have to go around telling you what their authority is. This is true. So whenever I meet somebody who's super obsessed with what their title is, I'm always a little skeptical. I sort of feel like speaking for me personally, it's like you can whatever title I have doesn't matter. You should respect me based on the work I do and the ideas I have and how I carry myself and whether I'm professional or not. So if you're somebody who makes excuses a lot, I think you should step back and think, why am I making excuses, right? Am I making excuses because I'm lying to myself in that, you know, I mean, a common one is fitness related, right? Yeah, I could wake up early if I wanted to. I just don't want to. Okay. So, I mean, that's sort of an excuse, right? Like I can't go to the gym in the morning because I'm tired. Really? I would push that a little bit. So I think if you're somebody who makes a lot of excuses, and again, even listening to this, you might get a little defensive, right? I mean, we all get defensive. And I'm not saying that I never get defensive. It's just, I try to, I try when possible not to. And you know? that's the thing. If you're getting defensive listening to us talk, it might mean that there's something there. If there's, when someone says something about you or to you that gets you charged up, it generally means that there's something you could work on. Yeah, they're striking, they're striking a chord. Right. And the things that people say or come at you with or criticize you for and you're like, eh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. He's crazy. Then that means you don't have that issue in general. Well, I also think that things hurt more when they come from people you respect, right? So if somebody on the street just walks up to you and says, you have terrible style, you're stupid, and you're never going to amount to anything in your life. Ouch. You're like, okay, pal, goodbye. I'm not, I'm not you know, <laughs> right. I don't want to get stabbed tonight. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> But if if a dear friend or a loved one or a spouse or a significant other is like, hey, real talk, Lee, you know, you're not good at this or I don't like when you do this. If it hurts, I think you should stop and say, why does it hurt? Again, I'm not saying and I don't think anybody's saying that people should just become kind of emotionless robots. No, because no. emotion can really help you be powerful and get stuff done and drive you to to reach heights that you never thought. 
But if you dwell in it in some ways, it can really just prevent you from getting started and doing anything. So getting back to thoughtfulness, we had met, what, a couple weeks ago? Right. And we were talking about thoughtfulness and you had said certain things about growing up, how you were thankful for your mom instilling in you certain, what shall we say, certain uh, abilities or or ways of doing things that you thought were really handy now as an adult. Right. In terms of thoughtfulness. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's not just my mom. It's both my parents. You know, I was I was raised in a household where we were expecting. The kids were expected to to talk about what they did during the day and to participate in adult conversations and to have opinions about things and to be able to explain why we had those opinions. So to me, that always just came very naturally. And then meeting people who seem to have strong opinions about things that aren't based in anything is always a little bit shocking. Let's take a short break and check in with Alex's mom, Gina Maccabee, at the Hosteling International Youth Hostel, which is located on West 103rd Street and Amsterdam Avenue in Manhattan, where Alex's mom shared her thoughts on how to raise a thoughtful human being. <laughs> and by the way, I love this hostel. So if you aren't in New York City and you want to visit without breaking the bank, give this place a look online. And again, I'll include the information in the show notes. Alex's mom, Gina Maccabee. What goes into raising thoughtful human beings? Wow. I think one thing I always tried to teach both of them was to try and understand what the other person was thinking and experiencing and to understand that there's another point of view, not just your own in the equation and that there's always another way to see it. And how did you know that you were on the right track with Alex as he was growing up? Can you think of an example or a situation where you're just like, this is a good teachable moment for Alex? He was really receptive and always very empathic. And he was really popular. He was kind of an alpha boy, good at sports. But he also was very kind, always. So Alex and I were talking about how to be thoughtful at work and personal relationships and things. And what what tips would you have? Again, I think just to understand that what you want and your point of view isn't the only thing that's present and that you, you want to get to yes. So you need to understand what the other person wants and think about what you want and I feel meeting in the middle is often good. Also, this sounds really trite, but I do feel you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Then Alex and I moved on to talking about asking questions at work and why that shouldn't be something you should shy away from. Alex, I just had a great idea. I want to ask you, why is asking a question or questions important and not stupid, especially if you're at the workplace in in a meeting? Yes, that's a great question. And I think a lot of people believe that if you ask a question, it's sort of raising your hand and saying, I don't know. I don't know anything. I should know, but I don't. When in fact, if you don't know something, I mean, what you have to do is ask the question. The problem is if you keep asking the same questions and you don't learn from it. I always, you know, I sort of make the analogy that you can't ask how to use the printer once you've been at your job for six months. 
That needs to be a question you ask early on. Right, right. But if you're meeting with somebody and you don't know, it's it's good to just be like, hey, um, you know, I know we've been talking about this and I just wanted to make sure my understanding of whatever is correct, blah, 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 blah. Am I mistaken? Because I just want to make sure I'm moving forward with the right information. Now, in no client situation is the person going to say, wow, you're so stupid. How could you not understand? How could you misunderstand that? No, it's and and you can be delicate in how you ask your questions. But if you're somebody who is brave enough to to raise your hand in a meeting with a client or with the president of your company and to just say, hey, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Um, When we say this, what we mean is this, right? Okay, cool. Thanks. I just want to make sure my understanding was correct. Nobody's going to judge you for that. People will respect you. And I think everybody in meetings is hesitant to ask questions. And then afterwards, there's a flurry of emails of, you know, what did they mean when they said this? Or, or have you ever gotten this? I'm so glad you asked. Exactly. Because if you have the question, it's so, it's, uh, it, you hear this all the time, but it's so true. If you have the question, it means other people have the question. Absolutely. And, and if you ask the question, then you get credit for asking. <laughs> absolutely. You get the prize. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times have you been to a talk or a lecture where somebody just spoke for an hour about a variety of things and then they say, any questions? And nobody raises their hand? Come on, people have questions. And then if you're that one brave person who reaches and they're like, so you were, sp- you were talking about this for a while and then you connected it to this. I'm not really understanding what you meant by that. If you look around at the audience, everybody will be nodding their head like, yeah, yeah I was wondering that too. Exactly. So if you've paused the show to exit the subway, answer your phone, walk the dog, and you've forgotten who or what we're talking about, you're listening to the House of Life NYC and my conversation with Alex Varney on how to be thoughtful. Now my question is, you had mentioned a moment ago, there are delicate ways to ask questions. Yep. Can you share some of those ways? Yeah, so uh, this is kind of funny because, again, I was mentioning that you and I did this program in Japan and I studied Japanese and and it's funny because it's sort of a joke that the Japanese can be very long-winded when they're asking for something or they're apologizing or they're giving a compliment and they have what's basically called like respect language and it ends up being very soft and delicate and you use different verbs and you use different forms of verbs and I would always get asked this question of well do you have that in English and I would say well we don't have that per se we don't have a set respect language or honorific talk but I'll give you an example if I say write your name okay can you write your name Could you write your name? Would you write your name? Now, which of those do you think is the most polite? Oh, I'm being tested. Uh, Would you? Why? Because it's not confrontational. Exactly. So if I say write your name, it's just direct. Okay. If I say, can you write your name? You know, this is sort of like the joke of, can I go to the bathroom? I don't know. Can you? (laughs) Well, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, you know, will you decide to write your name for me? Okay. If I say, could you write your name? It's like, well, if you thought it was so important, could you write your name? But would, I basically am giving you the power to say no. Because if I say, would you write your name? You say no. So you're choosing not to do that. So that's kind of a long-winded example of just saying that there's ways of massaging English to, to make it so that something that may seem really confrontational can be immediately diffused and, and isn't a problem. If I'm getting negative feedback, I always say, thanks for, the, thanks for the great feedback, right? Don't get defensive in an email if somebody's pointing out flaws in something you've done. Own it. 
that's it. If you need to give negative feedback to somebody, I would just reframe it as, hey, you know, maybe I was sorry for the confusion on my end. You know, I thought we'd agreed on this. And, you know, I know the deadline's coming up. So, you know, what do we, can we, can we maybe get something up by then or post something or, I mean, that's not confrontational. No, and it's not. And, you know, I mean, let's create a situation right now, right? Where you and I were scheduled to do this podcast and you got all set up and I just no-showed, right? Right. Now you could send me a really angry email and you could say what you thought. It might be completely right, but you could also just say, you know, hey, like, my mistake if I misunderstood the time, but weren't we meeting tonight at whatever time? And I'm not going to take that as hard. I'm going to be like, oh my God, I missed the time. I'm so sorry. But if you start telling me I'm an idiot and I'm bad with time, then I get to react to what you've said. And then we miss the point, right? You know, again, I am no relationship expert. I am no expert in any of these. These are just small tips that I've picked up learning from other people who know a lot more than I do. And, you know, you mentioned my parents earlier and I've been, you know, really happy that they have inculcated me with good values and morals about giving people the benefit of the doubt. And if you're talking to somebody, let them say what they want to say. Like if you're going to argue and debate and, and challenge somebody, debate and argue with the best version of what they're trying to say. A couple of phrases come to mind. One is kind of silly, but it's really funny. I remember uh, needing to find out something and get information to uh, an awkward situation. And so I asked the question, well, what happened here? Why Why this? Why not that kind of thing? And the answer that came back and it made me laugh. <laughs> it was just summed it up. It was just like, oh, man, I just I got all jammed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes me laugh because... It was said with such sincerity <laughs> that, like, what else could I do? I mean, okay, so you you messed up. And the answer was, I got all jammed up. And it's so true. <laughs> you can just really get jammed up. And then the other thing I'm thinking as we're talking and I'm listening to you is, have you seen the old Paul Newman movie, Cool Hand Luke? I have not. It's really good. And so he's trying to escape this uh, chain gang prison life. And at one point, it's uh, he says, well, I think there's been a failure to communicate. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's I've been trying yeah, to work that I mean, in there. You could people. just imagine how a minor miscommunication can just spiral out of control. And then both sides feel slighted and they think it's the other side's responsibility to do something. And what, what really needs to happen is somebody just needs to, to step up and say, I'm going to do whatever I can to solve this. And the more we talk, uh, another couple of phrases. One is, I just want to clarify. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And yeah. you, you had mentioned that. And then the other thing is you say what you need to say and to take the edge off it, you can then add, what are your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. You want to you want to soften. You know, you want to avoid the full the full stop of why? Why would you do this? Tell us some more phrases on how to soften. So I think what you want to do is you want to especially if this is let's say more of like a personal relationship problem, if you're you want to basically try to rephrase what you think their issue is and say, "Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, the issue is that I forget your birthday and we don't do the things that you want to do as we, as much as we do the things that I want to do." Am I understanding that? And if you are, then you've identified the problem and you can move forward. And if you're not, then you need to have them help you. Don't be snarky. Don't be passive aggressive. Try to try to remove like, you know, if we're talking and we're hashing out a, a deep problem and I roll my eyes very obviously, that might, 
you know, cause you to think that I'm being insincere. So don't do that. Right. And some of us <clears throat> have a face that has its own emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so if it, you're it acts like independently me, of what you're saying. <laughs> so <laughs> That's funny. if you're like me, <laughs> practice in front of the mirror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, they say you wear your heart on the sleeve. Well, my face shows everything if I'm yeah. not careful. It's like, Lee, you're lying right now. She's lying. <laughs> I didn't mean to roll my eyes. They just, it just did. Right. <laughs> but so now let me ask you, what are some things that you see others doing or saying that you're like, ouch, no, oh, no, he didn't, she didn't. I think one is just making excuses. I mean, it's funny. I was showing your child the book I'm reading which is just called No Excuses. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> and it's sort of one of these obvious things where I see people who just make excuses for everything. And, you know, I will agree that there are some situations in life that just seem uniquely unfortunate where, you know, you would, you would be forgiven for making an excuse in that situation. But on the whole, most things are fairly low stakes. And if you make excuses for something like that, it's sort of like, really? If you do something wrong... Take ownership of it. Talk about what you learned, how we're going to fix it. If it was a miscommunication, try to fix the miscommunication. So don't make excuses. You know, there was a, a time when I went to an adult sleepaway soccer camp called soccer-academy.com. It's amazing. And it takes place in the summer. It's the only that I know of adult residential soccer camp. That sounds and pretty cool. It is so much fun. It's one week and it's really reasonable. It's in Maryland. And I can put that in the show notes. And so they hire really world-class soccer players. And so Linda Hamilton at the time, she, you know, she was... Uh, she was in defense on, okay. on the U.S. women's soccer team that won the Olympics, right? Yeah. And she said something that has always stuck with me. She's like, look, you know, if you serve slop, you know, that's a problem. She said, but it's not so much the mistake. It's what you do after the mistake that counts. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, let's say you make a terrible mistake, right? And it's your fault. If you lie about it, if you try to cover it up, It'll only be worse when it comes out. If you if you own it and you say, look, this is on me, guys. I misunderstood what the situation was. I didn't t- budget my time correctly. I didn't budget my money correctly. I'm going to do what I can to make it right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn for the next time. You know, that's really all you can do. So it's true. If something goes wrong, it's what you do in reaction to that that's really important. And that's where the thoughtfulness comes in play. I think if you approach conversations by giving people the benefit of the doubt with charity, with good, good faith, that you're like, I'm talking to you because we're, we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to make progress. I think that's I think that's just a key foundation for any type of communication. I think you're right. And so now let's move on to some shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, what uh, what shout outs might you have? Again, I mentioned at the beginning, I, I definitely want to shout out the JET program. And so now let's move on to New York City hot, fun spots. It doesn't have to be food, but it can be. Anywhere you've been recently that you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to tell people about? Yeah, so there's a really great uh, barbecue restaurant in Astoria called Butcher Bar, which I love. What do you love about it? So they've just got awesome pulled pork, brisket. I've been there for, for breakfast, brunch, nothing like brisket hash that's so good. I went there on my birthday 
and they gave us uh, moonshine and little cute uh, mason jar shot glasses, which was good. But what, what made me think about that is, uh, you know, for, there's so much to do in New York, and I recommend that your your listeners try something that I started a couple years ago with a friend, which is that we just make a pact to try a new restaurant every weekend in a certain area. So I live in Queens, uh, and a good friend of mine who also lives in Queens, we've been trying new restaurants almost every weekend for the last two years. So it's a great way to explore the city. You find new places, and you end up going to the same places because they're good, but... Yes, tell me more about this butcher bar and the brisket and the pulled pork. Uh, How early did you go for breakfast and eat pulled pork? So that's a good question. I think I went for brunch, so like kind of brunch hours, not too early, uh, because brunch before 11 is craziness. (laughs) Um, What's the price point-ish? So that's a good question. For dinner, usually it's like you can get a platter where you can get maybe two or three meats and then two or three sides. And that for me is usually about a meal and a half or two meals. So it's maybe 30 bucks, 35 bucks, but that's totally worth it. Um, Brunch, standard brunch prices, you know, maybe 10 to 16 bucks for an entree. Refill refill your coffee. Yeah, it's uh it's on I don't know the exact address off the top of my head. I think you can you can share that in the shout outs, but uh it's on uh, 30th Avenue in Astoria. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. It was really informative and I know folks are going to be able to walk away with information today. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, it was my pleasure. Great speaking with you. And if people want to connect with you, how should they do so? So I recommend people just find me on LinkedIn and try to connect there. They could just search for Alex Varney and I should pop right up there. Perfect. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend time with you today. I really appreciate it because I know how busy you are and how many other podcast choices you have. Before we end today's show, please do share the show with at least two people you know would love this episode. And hey, help them subscribe to the House of Life NYC. Even better, please reach out to me on social media at houseoflife underscore NYC. Oh, and right before I take off and let you go about your day, I wanted to know, did I mention to you that the show I produce for my child, SebsWorldOfSports.com, won an award and the, the prize was a pizza party in his classroom. So I'm really happy uh, for him. And if you love sports and you want a fourth grader's spin on it, please check out SebsWorldOfSports.com. Finally, this episode was brought to you by my company, CityBikeCoach.com. Learn, ride better. CityBikeCoach.com. Thank you so much for stopping in. Take care and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.